Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to Playful Podcast, your guide into the underground scene where we discover topics on kink and electronic music every week. Don't forget to subscribe to not miss out on our next episode. We are excited to be here today with Nicolas Schmidt, better known as Narcissus. Narcissus is known for their unpredictability and for creating groove. When Narcissus is behind the decks, the dance floor will be vibing and climbing. In this conversation, we speak about mental health, inclusivity and exclusion within the techno scene, and where that comes from, Bergheim's store policy, creating safer spaces by treating everyone equal, meaning if quote-unquote female nipples can't be seen, then neither can male, and if that's actually creating a change or not, and much more. Let's get to it. I am Amanda, and this is Playful Podcast. Okay, but I, I want to go back to the... We were just speaking about your uh, boiler room set. Hello, hello, good morning and buongiorno. This is the morning hours with Narciss and Playful Mag. Glad to be here today. It's about me, one or two degrees outside. And this next song is a little one that we like to call... Uh, what's a good song? <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to do a radio show. You yeah, know what I mean? now That's you're almost like a, doing it. Like, yeah, I feel like so. This setup is like a, <laughs> it's a bit, it's a bit of a dream come true. Oh I've wow! Always, wow so you know, happy. like these old school American radio shows. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I grew up with because my dad was like big into big into like older radio shows as well. There's this one radio show that Bob Dylan was doing, and it was always like running when we had like a Sunday breakfast. And so I really grew up like listening to these like cool as fuck like radio transitions, you know what I mean? With the dudes like speaking. Yeah, hello, good morning. This is the experience on 007.9. 
But you um, have been speaking about that you had have been dealing with anxiety. Yeah. Is that something you also did as a kid? Interestingly, no. It was, I think I've been like struggling with like social anxiety and that kind of stuff. I'm almost forever. Like I remember always kind of being like, or I always had to had this feeling of like having to be like really extroverted and then kind of being really loud as like, uh, um, kind of like because of that, I always was like pretty extroverted, but because I had, I felt like I had to be that. Otherwise you just wouldn't make friends. Ah, uh, yeah. But like the full on anxiety and panic attacks and stuff, it started like around the time that COVID started as well. Oh, right. Because I was like, and that's when it got really bad as well. And I was kind of like really shut in for like around like half a year. And I like wouldn't leave my apartment uh, except to go like grocery shopping. But I like wasn't meeting friends. I wasn't doing anything. I was really like just kind of locking myself in my apartment and not coming out because yeah. I was so like anxious of the outside world. But and because of the bacteria? Because of the bacteria, but also, I don't know, it was just like this feeling of, it's so difficult to describe. I mean, the one thing is I was just having panic attacks the entire time, you know, which manifest in a really nasty physical way. So you don't, I never had the feeling of like being okay enough to go outside. Yeah. Like it's, you're going to be an embarrassment if you go outside and start a scene is that the feeling exactly mm. yeah kind of, that's actually exactly the feeling yeah and i like didn't want to hang out with friends because i was just so a shell of myself you know what yeah. i mean and um did you get medication or something i got therapy i went into therapy and i i just like the good thing is i wasn't depressed so i still had some energy you know what i mean and it was like I had the energy to like for, for weeks to just call like 30 therapists a day or something like that. And then eventually one was like, yeah, in two months I have a free spot. If you want, you can come by. And it was just like, yes. <laughs> and that's when it kind of got a little better. Two months is still a long time. It's still a long but time, but yeah, it was, it, it eventually got a little better. But you know how it is with anxiety and this, these kinds of things, unfortunately. Once like, once it manifests, it doesn't really go away anymore. You know what I mean? So yeah, you know it too. Yeah. Or like you can, it's always knocking on the door. Yeah, exactly. Kind of. Sometimes you're like super good and it's not there at all. And, but most of the time you're like somewhere in the middle mm -hmm. and then sometimes it gets a lot worse. <laughs> or like scared it's going to happen again. Yeah. It's, gonna it's, it's this thing of like also... It's so annoying because the thing is you kind of, you would have to take care of yourself almost nonstop. You would kind of have to have an eye on it and like really be good to yourself almost nonstop. But that's a really difficult balance to have when you also have kind of a job and especially like in the creative sector. I'm also a Capricorn. <laughs> so, you know, it's difficult to, to shut off for me. Uh -huh. Maybe that's the thing that I would, that I haven't talked about a lot that I would reveal. It's like, I'm a really, really bad workaholic. Really? Really, really, really bad. And I really struggle with letting go and shutting off. Like, cause yeah, I'm, do many things I'm, more besides music. Yeah. My mind is like always on a project 
or on an email that I still have to write or on a message that I have to respond to. Do you feel that is comfortable to always have something to do? No, it's the worst. That's the worst. That's that's. Uh... It's really difficult to have like a private life where you're supposed to be there with your full brain power and like enjoy it. But then at the same time, you always have the feeling of not having done something. It's something that I really had to put a lot of energy into kind of trying to shut off and still do. It's I still struggle with that quite a bit because yeah. it's also I think it's also like a creative thing because it's like when you make your own hours, you know what I mean? Mm. When you're kind of like freedom. Yeah. When you have the freedom, it's also a little bit of a curse because there's always something more you can do. You don't take like the card and stamp out at the end of the day and then you're done. You know, you don't have and to worry about it. And then you can celebrate with an after work. <laughs> exactly. It's just like, well, I guess for today I'm calling it, but I could still do so many more things. And that's, yeah, I really, really struggle with that. Yeah. I get that. We are proud to introduce Selby as a playful sponsor and since I love secondhand wear, this is the perfect match for me. Many of us people living in Berlin love going to Boxy on a Sunday to look at secondhand clothes and sometimes we find things that are bargains. When I went on Selby to pick clothes for this collaboration, I was looking at incredible pieces by brands like Gucci and Prada. But a secret I have is to also go to their last chance section where you find pieces for under for you. They have a good quality check so the pieces you buy will look Look as good as they do on picture and with the code playful20 you'll receive 20% off of your first purchase until the 31st of March. What's good to me is that this is a way to buy clothes that's guilt-free and this is the reason why I go secondhand shopping because to me that means sustainability. We simply can't buy new things all the time and we need to take care of what's already produced. These are some of the outfits that I would wear when recording an interview for playful podcast or going to a daytime open air in Berlin. Berlin doesn't have to be all black clothes and as you may have figured I really like colors and to be playful but there are plenty of rabies black and sexy alternatives as well download the app and don't forget the last chance section but who was little nicholas like who are you when you grew up mm. i was a really calm kid from what my mom told me <laughs> um i was really really kind of resting within myself and really chill but i also remember myself being really curious i would always like explore and i loved back then i have a thing with escapism and like i love like building these worlds or like going into these worlds in my mind and kind of like inventing these big stories around stuff i think that's why i gravitate to anime and video games so much as well because both mediums are really good at that you know like building these worlds that you can kind of completely like let yourself go in. It's why I like, I always say that like my favorite, my favorite musician or like my favorite artists are gorillas. Ah. And it's something that they did as well. They kind of built this parallel world that you can like explore and they have this lore that you can dive into and all this stuff. Yeah. And so I remember being like that. Also, I remember myself being a bit melancholic. I thought about like topics like death and that kind of stuff way earlier than a lot of other kids that I've heard of where they even understood the concept like way later. Were you having a, um, like the 
death scares. Mm. I think the concept of it just kind of was a little bit frightening to me. Yeah. Like the existential concept of death was really like early on. Not really, because I don't really understand it or I couldn't really understand it. And it was just like, it felt like something eldritch almost, you know, this, and this, this, this unexplored blackness. Wow. Off to a really cheery Dark. topic for this fucking interview. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get out of it. Yeah. But, um, so, but you, did you then find escapism in clubs? Like that's also a little bit of another world or like how was your club games as a teenager? I think I found it in music definitely a lot. And I found a lot of positive energy in music. Um, finally, you should say that I still remember one of the most, one of the most interesting club experiences that I've ever had or one of the ones that I remember the most was at this club. And it wasn't even that great of a club, but it was like around when I was like, I think this must have been when I was like 16 or 17. It was kind of legendary in my circles a little bit. It's long since ceased to exist. It's, it was called Brunn 70. What does it mean? Uh, like Fountain 70, but it was because it was a Brunnstraße 70. Ah. Mm -hmm. And it was this club where you would go into this like freight elevator and then it would take you down into the basement and it was always like there was this long line and then they would like put groups from the line who would like get into the club, into the elevator, and then it would go down. And it was like this kind of insane parallel world where there was, there were like more fucking floors than you can count as well. Wow. <laughs> I think there was like eight floors or something, but there were only three that you could really access publicly. The other ones you kind of had to find. Because they were like hidden in the club and there were like walls where you had to go through labyrinths. Sounds legendary. This it was place. kind of crazy, right? It yeah. sounds like it, when I talk about it now, it feels like something. I, am I sure that this was a real <laughs> thing or did I dream this? <laughs> but it was very real and it was like, it was, it was super crazy. And like, there were all these weird places that you could go through. And I remember there was like one hole in the wall, but it was like this big mouth. And then inside wow. there was like this mirror cabinet. Really like, uh, illustrate that. Yeah, it like was cartoon. crazy. And one and the floors aesthetically they look really cool as well. There was like this one floor where there were like these milk bottles hanging from the ceiling, but they all had lamps inside them. And it was like that was the lighting of the floor. It was a very, very strange club, but I really, really liked it. Yeah. It wasn't really the thing where I, it was kind of a weird thing as well, because I think there was mostly people around my age, like 16, 17, who went there as well. I have no clue how that was legal. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I was 18. I don't know. I can't remember, but it feels like I must have been like 16 or 17. Do you, do you have like bad memory? Of like clubs? No, of like your youth. Yeah, I mean, of course, so many. Course. Jesus, my yeah. youth was a my youth was a shit show in large parts. I would say. Why? Oh man, it was difficult. I always had trouble with like fitting in because I wanted to fit in so bad back then. I wanted to be a part of like the cool kids, and I wanted to be a part of of the people who don't get bullied, you know. But of course, I wasn't. I I always struggled with like. The way I looked and also my weight and all of that stuff, you know, all of that classic good stuff that teenagers struggle with. 
and I was always kind of an outsider and I was also bullied a lot. Yeah, that was really difficult. Also, my dad died when I was pretty young. That was shit. That's the thing that my, yeah. that actually, you know what? That's the thing that the people don't know about. Yeah. I've never talked about that. Yeah. My dad died when I was 15. 15 is such a like. So like probably one of the more shit ages that someone really important in your life can go. You know what I mean? Because it's like you're in such a formative age. I mean, need support, but actually, like. yeah, any time that someone that important passes, it's always crap. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So it's like what's really worse. But it was definitely pretty pretty bad time yeah but it's say. also such a confusing age where you're like yeah who am i like before exactly. that you don't really question who you are 100 percent. so that's like ugh. i was really struggling with finding myself and in a way i feel like there was a duality to it being at that moment because on the one hand it kind of accelerated the process of finding myself a lot because it made me be like I I have to have something to gravitate towards now. You know what I mean? Like, otherwise I would just get lost in the void. Mm -hmm. um, but on, unfortunately, on the other hand, I realized that it also made me kind of accelerated in the way that I then kind of built these personas for myself that weren't really me, I think. And I understood that way later that I was kind of like just trying to, trying to fit into a picture. You know, these children's yeah. toys where you like, you have this shape and every shape goes yeah. into a certain thing. Yeah. And I think I was like, I uh, I held like this piece of myself and I really like desperately crammed it into like different like forms that it just didn't fit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is rough. But how, when did you then feel that you found yourself? I th honestly, I think like two years ago or something. Two years ago. It was really long. It was like when you look at, it's also interesting when you look at pictures for myself, Ever since that time, I like switched aesthetics and the way that I clothed myself and all of that stuff so much. And I think that was a part of just not having a feeling of knowing who the hell I am. You know what I mean? And kind of always trying to find something new to gravitate towards, always trying to find something new to kind of always trying out new personas in a way. Yeah. And kind of not being able to find one that I truly felt like I could be myself in. Yeah, how did you find it then? Honestly, new friends. Ah. It was like, because I've, I've also like, I had a habit of kind of being friends with people that, I had a habit of like making friends with people who I don't think were that good for me. Yeah. And then I went to uni for a second time and I met a friend group there and they really, really, really accepted me as who I am. And I felt that at the same time, I had a breakup of like a really long relationship where I definitely later realized that I was like playing the biggest fucking theater role ever. Like the person that I was in that relationship wasn't me at all. I think. Mm -hmm. um, That's intense. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, and then it kind of gravitated from there. I have one really long time friend though. I have like one friend since I was two. He was also the one who made the Ludmilla music video because he's like a really talented videographer, Liam. He's like the one constant when it comes to friends in my life. Yeah, it's <laughs> nice to have one who <clears throat> kind of has have seen you. It's interesting because he once described it as like after the after that breakup back then, he described it as like being this this watcher, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the, a fly the, on the wall. Yeah, the watcher from the outside slowly looking at this progress and being like... Hmm. 
so interesting. You know what I mean? Because you don't want to, and I get it because you don't want to intervene like your close friends and be like, yeah, I don't think this is what you're doing. This is what you're, this is right. You know, or Very I don't, sure I don't it. think this partner or this relationship is the right thing for you. You know what I mean? I don't, that, and I really respect him for that because I think yeah. that's exactly what you should do. Because when you tell someone, hey, I don't think this relationship is the right thing to do, you're just going to provoke like a, fuck you, man. What do you know about me? Like, I'm so happy with this relationship. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to change anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but that was very much worth him to understand that. Like, I don't know yeah. what age you were, though, but like still, it sounds like he was like this. So I think, yeah. For a long time. A few, th the two things that really changed were like meeting new people. And ones that really fit me as well. And where I could kind of like let myself go and explore who the hell I was. And kind of like, and I'm going to be perfectly honest, therapy, it helped a lot in like understanding that I am more fragile than I might let on. And like understanding that it's okay to be fragile and it's okay to be introverted. And it's okay to be weird and it's okay to be this person who maybe doesn't really gravitate towards most people who they meet. Yeah. Because before that, I was like, I always had to be friends with everyone, you know what I mean? And it's this thing of like, well, maybe that's not the healthiest thing to try to do. You know what I mean? Because when you're friends with everyone, you're friends with no one. Yeah. And maybe you try to fit in so bad you're ignoring who you, you know? Exactly. What I, you want and you ignore the boundaries you actually have. 100%. I think it's like, yeah, it's like a, it's a, the understanding of like, it's okay to be strange. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's okay to be an outsider. Yeah. And it's okay to have boundaries. To get more into your musical mm -hmm. journey, mm -hmm. how has that looked? Oh, interesting. Um, I think I told this a couple of times, but basically what started, it started with, um, so it started super young as well. I grew up pretty musically because both my parents, they weren't musicians, but especially my dad was like a huge music nerd. Um, and my kindergartner at the time i think told my mom that i was always like drumming on tables of course it ADD. was kind of yeah <laughs> exactly it was kind of an add thing but none of them both were like well it's ADAD. but my mom was like musical talent or no i think the kindergartner was like actually it could be a musical talent and then my mom put me into drum lessons i was five at the time so i started playing the drums at five well, well done by her to cap, like, yeah, it's snap up. It's a good, um, it was definitely like a good ventile. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like a good outlet. Mm. Um, and so I like, that's kind of when it started. I played the drums and then I would progress later into like also playing the guitar a little bit and playing bass guitar playing in bands as well and then learn to sing so I was kind of like through the whole thing and then when I was like I think 14 or 15 uh in this musical school where I had the lessons uh a DJ started to give lessons cool. 
Yes. Was that something that especially <clears throat> happened in Berlin? Like I don't remember that. I was have no clue. Thing in where I'm from. I think it's nowadays. It's a bit more of a thing. There's like workshops and stuff like yeah, that now, in different yeah. places as well. I know, for example, like some friends of mine in Wuppertal. I mean, it's also Germany, I guess. But mm. some friends of mine in Wuppertal, which is of course a super small place, are giving um, are giving workshops to Flinter people, yeah. like DJ workshops, which I think is super fucking cool. Shout out to the to the Mauke. Shout out to the Mauke people from Wuppertal. You're doing a bang up job over there. Keep on doing what you do. <laughs> um, yeah, but this was like 15 years ago, no? When you yeah, and the... this was like um, I think back then it was so interesting, right? Because I started DJing because so it was like two things that happened at that time, and I can't really say what was the first one and what was the second one, but they kind of crisscrossed into each other, and that's kind of how it started. So I picked up this video game. It was called DJ Hero. Okay. Yes. And no one knows about this anymore. This is completely forgotten, like lost in time. I posted something in my story about it the other day, but it was like, you know, Guitar Hero? Yeah. Yeah, it was like the DJ version of that. All right. This was a thing. And like, I picked it up and I loved it. So you had I like turntables. Yeah, you had like, it was a bit like, it was a bit stupid, of course, because you, you had like a turntable and DJing there was kind of like scratching and this kind of stuff, you know, basically all the tracks were like mashups of two tracks and you would like scratch in between them, basically. But the soundtrack was banging. <laughs> like it was so good. Some of these mashups are like, I've listened to them on the train last week and I was like, these are absurdly good. Like some of them are legitimately like, what the fuck? This has no right in being this good. <laughs> and then the second thing that happened was that I saw these DJ lessons at the, at the like musical thing, musical school that I was at. And I was just like, okay, I'm playing this video game and I think this is basically the coolest thing ever. And in my eyes, DJing right now is like the coolest thing you could do. And then I see the DJ lessons and I'm like, well, of course I fucking want to do this in real life as well. You know what I mean? And then uh, it was like, yeah, all right, you can take the DJ lessons. And that time I was kind of fed up with playing like guitar or whatever as well. So, um, so then I would go into the DJ lessons and that's kind of when it all started with that side of the coin. It was kind of hilarious at first. Hello. It was kind of hilarious at first because it was like, because um, in my eyes, of course, coming from that video game, DJing wasn't DJing, like playing a, a set that's like two hours or longer or whatever, and just like playing these tracks. But in my eyes, <laughs> DJing was making a mashup of two tracks <laughs> on a mixer. And then you make the next mashup after that one is finished. Yeah. So, of course, I was like, it it was a bit of a journey to even understand what the actual concept of DJing was. <laughs> um, but yeah, eventually I got there. And then after a few years of doing that, the guy who taught me uh, kind of revealed to me um, that he was the head of a party series at Trezor. He was booking the Mondays. Oh, when was this? How long time ago? 20, I want to say like 2014, 2013, okay, yeah, 2014, yeah. something around that mm. time. Um, and 
maybe 2015, something around that yeah. time frame. Um, and he was booking, yeah, Electric Monday it was called. And that's where I had my first gig. How was that? Were you Because you mentioned before. When... I was so fucking nervous. And yeah. at that time, yeah, so yeah, by the way, I started as a vinyl only DJ. And at that time, the for a long time, I was a vinyl-only DJ as well. And I remember like playing that first set. It was a warm-up set because, of course, it fucking was. Um, and I remember putting the needle on and shaking so much that I scratched almost all of my records. Because I was shaking so much. And I like put the needle down and I was like... <sighs> Of course, like <laughs> an expensive gig. Yep. And um, that was a thing. But then he kind of, I, I did a pretty good job and he, he got me, he got me to play more gigs there and like he booked me more often. And that was really, that was kind of how I cut my teeth in the, at the first leg of my DJ journey, I guess. Was there ever a moment where you felt like, I'm gonna, you know, it takes a lot of energy to tour and all this, but like, I'm gonna, it doesn't matter. I'm gonna just, I love it so much. I'm gonna put my energy on this. Always. Ah, I think okay. because I was, a, since I was a kid. Ah, Legitimately, yeah. since I think like when I was, I don't remember this, but my, my parents have, have told me this. Uh, when I was even still like a kid, like banging on drums and pots, I think like my first thing that I said as like a baby of like what I want to be was a rock star. Um, and there was this moment way later, of course, when I was already DJing and I was reading through Groove magazine and there was this interview with Maya Jane Coles. Um, and she was talking about, cause that's when she was just really breaking through at that time. Um, and she was talking about coming to this crossroads of being like, okay, I, this is either never going to happen or even though it's going to be really like energy consuming and exhausting and really shitty, you decide in that moment, okay, this is what I'm going to do now. Exactly and I'm going to put all my energy into this. Yeah. And of course she was taught what she was talking about was a moment way, way later in a DJ's career. It was like when you're just about to break through and then you take the decision of, okay, I'm going to, fucking take a shot at this you know way way later i think that point that she was talking about i reached last year <laughs> and but for me reading that at that point <laughs> it's so stupid for me when i read that at that point i was like she's talking about what i'm going through right now me being like 15 just having started to dj not even really understanding what techno means you know what i mean and i was like yes i am now making this decision this is what i'm going to do <laughs> this is what i'm now going to put all my energy towards <laughs> i am going to become famous dj person yes of course <laughs> of course fucking absurd concept you know like, but that's when at that point i think i made that decision and that was important also no? it was fucking important but in retrospect it was also a little bit too early because that i think that gave me a lot of grief a few years in the future of that because uh -huh. i mean let's face it that was when i was 15 i am 28 now you can kind of probably color in the picture of what it was like in the 13 years between yeah. that you know what i mean because yeah. like 
Yeah, I had a semi-successful career with another alias beforehand. That was the first one that I started to DJ with that I'm not going to tell. <laughs> um, If they dig deep, they can find. <laughs> I think so, but you have to really dig deep. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of decided, and this I think I was like 23 at that time, I was like, okay, I'm going to start completely from scratch. And that was a difficult decision, but also one, of course, that was very, very important because that's when I started as Narciss. Um, but so I already hit like this point where I felt like I had hit a dead end once, you know what I mean? And I didn't want to continue like that. And then I started from scratch. And to be honest, a lot of things happened in between where I was kind of like, I don't think this is going to happen. And funnily enough, I think only two years ago I had this point of legitimately because then I went into like uni again and studied something different and really like focused on that and being like yeah I should probably find a job to do with my life because I don't think this is happening like I've been trying this for so long now at this point the chances of me still like being picked up by the scene as an artist that's like really going to hit the big time chances are pretty slim and then for whatever reason it actually did happen i kind of do attribute it to like going to uni again because i think it made me ease off a bit and become a little more a little more <laughs> a little bit more relaxed I, I um, that's and that's kind of when I also started like making music just for fun you know what I mean and I was kind of like okay if this isn't going to be my job then I can just do what I want as well and I think me relaxing on that a little bit and maybe not having like to take so many gigs that drains the energy because you need to pay rent exactly and, and also like being like the 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 also not having that pressure not putting that pressure on myself of like i have to make it big i have to become famous i have to do this and that was super super important in retrospect because that i think was the most important thing i think that's also like the tip that i give to like most people who ask about how do they make it in the scene is don't try to make it in the scene do it because you like doing it and do it do it because you have fun with it don't do it to earn money because you're just going to get crushed by the the by yourself in the end to be honest you're just going to get crushed by yourself and you're not going to have a good time you're not going to enjoy it and i think if you have fun and if you enjoy it then at some point something might happen and it will make you overjoyed because at that point it's just a cherry on top yeah but if nothing happens then you're still having fun Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. You, it's like a win-win situation. Like, mm -hmm. you're having fun anyway, and then if something good happens, something good happens. That's nice. Yeah. No? Was there ever a moment then where you felt like, damn, <coughs> I'm making it. Like, I made it. Yeah, last year. What? What Was there a day, a time? <laughs> Or was it overall? So it was, I still remember the moment when I decided that I was gonna, when I had that, when I actually had the Maya Jane Coles moment. Where I was like, you know what? I am now as close as I'm ever going to come to just be like, fuck it. I'm just going to try this now. I'm going to like quit my fucking job and I'm going to try and go. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. Full throttle on music. And it was in May last year. In May, what happened then? I joined a booking agency, like a new one, um, and or like shortly after. And also, like, gigs started to increase at that time and i noticed that it was becoming more than i could like mentally handle because i was feeling super burned out and it was because like i was gigging and then i was also like still working the job yeah. and then i was also like writing my bachelor thesis did you still have panic attacks at that time no not that much but i wasn't doing great mentally i was just very burned out um but like it was fucking the best decision that i could have made because it just kind of rose from there it got more and more and more like the moment where i was like holy shit i've made it there were a few where i was like i don't think it's the curse of being an artist right because i don't think the point of holy shit i've made it ever comes it kind of it kind of progresses back into this thing where i said i can never really let go of work Because I think like the moment where you're like, okay, and now I can rest. It doesn't come because you can never really rest. You know what I mean? You always have to continue. But there were... You need to put yourself at rest. Like, exactly. Brutally. But there were a lot of moments that came in the meantime where I was like, in my wildest dreams, I wouldn't have thought that this moment would still come. And it's fucking wonderful that it did. And I can't believe that it did. Boiler Room was one seeing like the recording of the boiler room and seeing the logo pop up and the announcer like announce my name that was surreal i never saw that coming um you said yeah yeah, yeah. no the authentic narcissist experience yeah I what think is that can you explain i think just fun no yeah. i think just like i don't know don't don't think too much about like this has to happen right now and this has to happen now and this is what it has to feel like but just like i don't know have authentic fun have a have a drink or don't if you don't drink just like i don't know but don't don't stand by the bar and watch it happen but like get into the crowd get in get involved maybe like dance with some people 
maybe then never see them again afterwards. But just like have a good time for yeah. an hour or two or three. You or also four. you also said before that this is probably your the gig you are the most proud of like yeah. the whole flow of it I think like from the ones that are like on the internet you know what I mean like yeah, from yeah. like the mixes and like the the ones that you can like find online this is the one that I'm the most proud of because I think it's like the most it showcases the energy that I want to bring the most or the best and um it's also my favorite set of the ones that you can find online because it's like or solo at least because it's like very very housey and groovy but also fast and i don't know i just like i like the whole energy of that set i think it's like honestly kind of like from front to back it's just like my favorite because it also showcases like my me being nervous as hell you know and like in the beginning starting the set and being like oof still kind of empty in here fucking hell like like it's all right but it's not like a legendary boiler room crowd you know what i mean and then kind of like because in the set you see this happen of course you see people climb up on like the thing behind me and shit and it like going completely nuts but i didn't see that because i had my backs to them <laughs> so like there's this moment and i think this was the one that they used on like 90 percent of their social media for the set as well where like where I play this Tony David track, who's also like an icon to me. And I like, I play it and like I turn around and I look at the people and I'm like, oh, they climbed the thing behind me. Holy shit, there's so many people. What the fuck? And then it just goes completely bonkers behind me and every the whole room like erupts. And it's such a nice moment because it was also for me like, oh my God, it worked. <laughs> I got him. <laughs> you lift the roof off. Yeah, yeah. and you yeah. see it in my eyes of like this legitimate moment of like being just like surprised and very joyful. <laughs> oh, wow. So nice. Um, let me know if I'm mistaken, but you also said sometime that you think the, the techno scene is stiff. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean with that? I think I don't want to hurt any feelings but I think the thing is the the problem is that the techno scene for a lot of years has focused on exclusivity a lot so I think we now live in a world where or let me rephrase this is a scene that comes from like a queer background. You know what I mean? Techno has always come from like a queer black background. And um and I think there's this German mentality to techno that I don't really fuck with, which is like very very exclusive, very very um you have to look this way, you have to dress this way, you have to dance this way, you have to be these things for you to be techno or like fit into techno and i think in a scene that comes from a queer background that's supposed to be all about inclusivity like that's just i don't know that doesn't really gel with me i don't really like that mindset i don't like exclusive scenes anyway it's kind of funny to me because when I started making music, I hadn't been to clubs. Uh, when I started like DJing, you know, when I started DJing, I hadn't been to clubs at all. Um, and that happened afterwards. 
it's this it's like a, a philosophical thing but i think like i'm not sure that if i would have known about the the people like how they sometimes behave in the scene and how they behave like at the doors of clubs and how like excluding it is sometimes and how like with their nose up it sometimes is not sure if i would have gone for techno as a genre funnily enough um maybe i would have chosen something completely different but i love the music and that's why i went into it which is now pretty nice because now you can kind of at least try to change it from the inside you know like a like a mole <laughs> also <laughs> musically as well because i think it's musically a little stiff sometimes as well you know what i mean and like we're just coming into a trend where the music is opening up a little bit and like kind of a lot of interesting things are happening it's kind of progressing away from like very very minimal tool techno but i think mm, yeah there there is like a lot of stiffness to a scene that's all about letting go and having a good time which is weird to me it's like i think a lot of it just comes from like I'm, honestly i think a lot of it just comes from like the Berghain hype because like the the of course like the biggest and greatest years of the club are way way past nowadays um but like sure there used to be a time when Berghain was like the best club in the world i'm sure um and the exclusivity of that door and the rejection that you could get at that door has kind of made it so techno has all about becoming how do i get into this scene and how do i fit you know how am i accepted yeah interesting there's an interesting parallel to like fitting in that we talked about earlier you know exactly. what i mean i was just thinking about it. i was i was actually thinking that do you think that uh um but you said that you started DJing before you got into techno that's why i didn't see the connection oh. that strongly yeah but i was like okay when you because you try to fit in so much mm -hmm. and this maybe reminds you also of how i, I don't think know, so like, and it's like i always then at that point when or like nowadays i like to like the group that i have gathered around me is probably as far removed from like the classic techno crowd that you could probably find a lot of my friends don't even like techno you know what i mean and it's like i always grab i always like gravitated more or like honestly gravitated more towards the people who also like didn't fit in because those were the ones who i could actually hang out with you know the cool people didn't fucking want me anyway um and i think that that is like a part of my my like dislike for that because it's all about fitting in it's all about like being like a part of like the fucking cool kids behind the schoolyard who are like smoking and looking down on the other ones who are like walking by you Or know rude. what i mean yeah exactly all of it it's so fucking german it bothers the crap out of me because like we as germans we're not exactly known for being friendly <laughs> cool or even like at all like interesting in even the slightest <laughs> regard you know what i mean when you look at like german culture and german food i mean you can kind of judge a culture a lot of the times by its food right <laughs> when you look at like fucking like let's let's take spanish food you know like or tapas it's all about like sitting together at a table having fun sharing all of these plates then you look at german food okay here's your protein here's your carb 
Here's some vitamins. Oh, you want more? Go fuck yourself. You should have said earlier. <laughs> or like, oh, you want more? Well, then tell the chef to give you more. And if there's out, not your luck. No, you can't any of them have any of my food. Fuck off. We're having separate meals here. You know what I mean? And it's like, all of it is so, and it kind of fits into this whole thing of like, there is not a lot of like, there's not a lot of being, I don't see techno and music about being rejected. I see it as like, oh, fucking welcome. Like, come in, have some fun, like, have a good time. Unless you're an asshole or like fucking homophobe or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, there's some obvious uh, borders to who I think should should be allowed to party in like queer clubs and techno clubs. Yeah, do you think that uh, still, as you s you mentioned that techno is like <coughs> um, uh, stiff, mm -hmm. but there are still these uh, values. Do you think that that it actually is so? Hmm. Interesting question. I think um, I think it should be in Berlin. A lot of the time, it definitely is. Like when you look at a lot of clubs, I think they have some very, very, very clear values and they definitely abide by them in both their bookings and in the way that they handle their parties and their club staff as well. Um, but I think when you look at it more on an international level, it definitely becomes more about like, of course, about like breaking even at the end of the night or not, if we're being honest, not breaking even, but how much money can we make? Um, it becomes more about the the bottom line than about like a certain set of values. Um, mm, I've heard this about especially one big party in France. Ah, yeah, yeah, that for sure. Ah, that's what you mean. So like parties that promote themselves in that way and with a certain core set of values. That's not about that at all. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that happens a lot. I think because it's also like ah, now I get it. Yeah. Okay, so I think this is also a thing that comes from, like, techno getting more big in the world. Because it's, like I said, it kind of originated from, like, a queer scene. Originated from a gay scene. And, I mean, even, like, I know I look down on that. Like, this, like, we're gonna order this Amazon harness and then, like, fucking fit in at the door of a club and then everyone just wears the same Amazon harness. But, you know, that thing as well, where does this come from? Like, these harnesses and all of this, like, clothing, it comes from the queer scene, you know? Like, harnesses were just, like, I grew up in Berlin, and I lived near Nollendorfplatz earlier, which is, like, the biggest, like, gay, queer Keats in Berlin. And these, like, images of the harnesses and all of that stuff, I grew up with that. This is something that I've seen my entire life because it's just, like, part of the, part of, like, the gay scene. This aesthetic, these clothes, or the lack of them. <laughs> and, um, and it's interesting to see them being, like, just, like, yeah, you just dress this way in techno now. Which is interesting because a lot of these people who dress like this are as straight as you can be, which, in my mind, that's, not really a, a problem. You can dress any way that you want, of course. You know what I mean? But it's... If it's not accepting of where it comes from... Exactly. Yeah. It has to... And I think that's kind of why a lot of international parties or this is why a lot of the time I think the cool thing to do is be like a, a, a queer party 
or like a gay party and promote yourself that way because it's like that's where it all stems from and that's also like the inclusive values of the techno scene and maybe it's even like a little bit quirky where you live to be like yeah we're totally like this gay queer scene yeah totally but then you also have to really 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 like be careful of like the the vibe in the room and all of that stuff and yeah i think that's i mean we talked about it earlier and i don't i really don't like exclusivity when it's about how you look and how cool you are and all these things but if you promote yourself as a party with a very clear set of core values then i think you do have to be slightly selective about who you let into your party because then it's all about making a safe space for the people inside so then when you let someone in who's even a little bit homophobic this can turn everything on its head you know what i mean because it makes the people who are inside feel less safe it's kind of sad because of course i think or at least I think I wasn't there for it, but this is how I imagine the door for Burkhine started. It started as like, hey, we're a gay club. Like, we don't want anybody inside who's an asshole or who's a homophobe. And then it turned into this shadow of itself where it's like, okay, let's maybe be a bit more exclusive and make people think there's a logic to who we exclude, but we're going to exclude some more people because also more people are coming to the club and we have a limited amount of space. So let's exclude some more people. And then it turned into this like monstrosity of like the Berghain door. You know what I mean? And it's like, this. Oh, everybody's afraid of the Berghain door. <laughs> But it comes from a background that is well-intentioned. But nowadays, it's just, I think, yeah, the shadow of that. Because, you know, fuck, a lot of gay friends of mine are being rejected at the Burkheim door. Well, I don't know. Straight dudes in an Amazon harness are being let in. So, you know. Dot. Yeah. <laughs> What's your view on on creating a safe space it's i think probably the most important thing i think it's like um how can one do that it's not the easiest thing to do it's um because you have to watch have a very watchful eye on an incredible amount of factors um i think it was the dj stranger who once described like not safe space, but like parties in general, as being a hundred different factors and they all have to be good for a party to be good. If one is off, then it's already not a good party anymore. I want to see that list. And I think it's, and the DJ who's playing is just one of those like 50 factors for a party to be good. You know what I mean? And it's similar with creating a safe space. You have to have a very watchful eye on it tons of different things the people in the club who are they are they taking space away from like are they are they behaving a certain way that makes people feel super uncomfortable um who's at the door are they making people outside queuing feel shit and uncomfortable who's um who's your who's your staff what's your staff like are they accepting of any of everyone? Like, are they accepting of people no matter 
how 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 crazy they might be they might how, how naked they might be um this is so i love this because this is something that is not normal yeah. to the rest of the world to be naked and free yeah. in clubs yeah it's like you'd get thrown out yeah. if you sh you were yeah. like uh, had like quote-unquote female tits out in the air uh, you know? uh, a buddy of mine uh janis zelensky who also makes really fucking nice music he's from hanover and he had like this thing he had like this thing of um of being um because he's like involved with this new like open air club in hanover he's kind of helped build it and stuff it's this open air space And the way that he explained it to me, because I was playing with him on the weekend, we were like on a lineup together and we we're talking about this. And I think it's super cool because it's like, it's also kind of like part of this like techno TikTok trend that I don't have anything against. I'm on TikTok as well. You know what I mean? But um, I think it's like this thing of like showing like these super jacked fucking ripped dudes dancing topless. But then as soon as like a woman dances topless, it's like a problem in a lot of clubs in the world. And so he says, like, okay, this isn't this is Hanover. Like, we're not gonna have it's it's not gonna be possible for the crowd to have the type of club where a woman just takes a shirt off and it's fine and she's not gonna get bothered or sexualized by anyone. You know what I mean? That's that's not gonna happen. So what we're gonna do is dudes are not allowed to take their shirt off either. And I think that's a really fucking interesting point because it's like, yeah, fair enough. Like Statement. a nipple is a nipple, no matter on what person it is, please like Just don't. If you want to, like, get naked, there's plenty of ways to do that. You can wear, like, a bikini top or, like, a mesh top or all of this kind of stuff, but be respectful because it has to be a, a, a room where everyone has to feel comfortable and also on a similar level. Everyone has to have the same freedoms as equal. other people. Every, equal. Thank you. Mm. It's about equality in the end. Everyone has to feel equal. And as soon as one person has more freedoms than another one comes kind of shit. So I think that's also, I mean, it's kind of, it's an, a difficult topic that you could probably discuss a lot. Um, cause it's also like, it goes into this area of like, okay, in my opinion, it makes a club space more equal indeed, but it also has to do with prohibiting something. So does that really make it more equal if you have to prohibit something? In my opinion, it does, but in, Probably like a lot of other people's mind doesn't, but it's uh, a choice, and in my opinion, it's a good one. It's the same with a uh, with a uh, uh, institute for Zukunft in Leipzig. It's also like they do the same. Yeah, they do the same. Um, Very interesting. Yeah, and they feel that that kind of uh, gets the message out. Also, you know, like it's also if it's like male have to also wear a shirt they have also to question why yeah exactly so. exactly it's not like a i think it it anything to kind of incept people you know what i mean and get yeah. maybe if it's like one of them starts thinking about it and then they'll come to some understandings that are really important for like their understanding of gender equality and all that stuff so you know yeah i think it's a it's a, a cool choice to make definitely so yeah nudity nudity in clubs is a big topic and one that you can also take several stands on i guess but yeah just something that i thought of yeah, yeah. okay thank you so so much we finished no i have 
Yeah. A little this or that. Okay, nice. I love that. We have now come to the part of the podcast where if you're a Patreon, you'll get to listen to me and Narciss discussing dating in Berlin and people being extra flaky in metropolitan cities. We also speak about where they can find inspiration when feeling uninspired, as well as their view on goal setting. Go to patreon.com slash playful magazine. That shit. <laughs> Fuck yes. Yeah. Oh, I always wanted to do this in yeah. an interview. Yeah. You know, you know over under this show by Pitchfork? No. Okay, it's basically this they they get like musicians and artists and then ask them if something is overrated or underrated. Oh, I love that. It's a cool show. You should watch it. Yeah, I, and maybe I'm going to start doing I'll, that here. That's I'll, super fun. I'll that could be the next. I'll show you the episode with Erica Badu after the interview. Yes. It's the best. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. Yeah, maybe I can take uh, inspiration. Yep. All right. So, introvert or extrovert? My partner would disagree with me on this. No, extrovert, still. I think I am an introvert at heart, but the way that I behave is extroverted. Introvert at heart? Yeah. So, you like you need to recharge your batteries yeah, exactly. alone. But I am more of an extrovert than I am an introvert. Because through my partner and some of my friends, I have seen what a real introvert is like. And I would not be on stages playing for huge crowds if I was a true introvert. Yeah. High on life or whatever comes your way along the night? Uh, high on life, for sure. Yeah, what's your view on drugs? I don't mind them. Uh, As I a don't, true Berliner, I mean. I wouldn't, also. I wouldn't judge anyone who does drugs except for maybe like GHB because I don't fuck with the whole idea of that and I think it's more dangerous than it can be positive um, but you can put in your body whatever you want but I personally never did like chemical drugs so for me I, I quit smoking weed as well a couple of years ago and I don't know it's just I, I don't think I'm the right person to take drugs yeah was that a decision that changed some something I think so, yeah. I think it made me be a bit less maybe confused about some things. But it was also just, I quit because I wasn't enjoying it anymore, you know. So why would I yeah. do it? It was easy then for you to Yeah, quit. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, comfort or fashion? Ooh. Oh, that's so difficult. <laughs> Fuck. Fashion. Yeah. yeah, I do love my comfort and like being wrapped in a blanket in my pajamas, but I love fucking dressing up and putting on my makeup and prettying myself to the most heavy degree that you can go. Like, I love that shit. Yeah, what does it make you feel? Uh, affirmed, affirmed, I think. It makes me feel pretty and it makes me feel affirmed in my own self. Yeah. And it makes me feel hot as fuck. <laughs> Ooh, I love it. And I think I love feeling hot as fuck more than I love feeling comfortable. Because it's very easy for me to feel comfortable and it's not that easy for me to feel hot as fuck. Yes. People can assume it would be easy for you to feel hot as fuck because you're like, you're just so not, this is my view, but that you're naturally you and comfortable in you but then when we listen to the interview we also know that it's you know often there has been a long journey 
it's up until coming to being comfortable so far from the truth it's i still struggle with that so much it's still like looking at myself in the mirror is still like rolling a dice every time that i do it and like seeing what it lands on and because it's i've struggled with my self-worth my entire life yeah must feel amazing to not like open your phone camera and think like (laughs) yeah but i think it's also the the subtle art of not giving a fuck you know yeah like, true facts and i think that comes with like f- having judged yourself so much yeah so yeah but yeah uh xbox or nintendo nintendo would don't even have to think about it 100 nintendo every bone in my body was made from nintendo i think like <sighs> yeah I could talk about this for hours, but it's like it's it, the easiest choice ever. Like <laughs> voice message or text only. Voice message. Ah, you're a voice. I have messenger. really big fingers. Ah, and nails so, also. Yeah, and nails. So like, I like to send voice messages way more, but they're also really long because I speak very slowly, <laughs> and my friends get bothered by that a lot because then they have to sit through like a minute and a half of voice message, versus. 15 seconds of reading you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> so i don't do it as much as i would like to but yeah voice message You're trying to be nice <laughs> also f- shout out to phone calls you know ah, what i mean a quick phone call a this, quick phone yeah, call I just is read probably this, my favorite i just read this meme that like nowadays we have to like let people know that we're gonna call them in 15 minutes because everyone needs to mentally prepare yeah I, <laughs> and how much that has changed since yeah. before when you just like rang someone up like you know hey can you bring douglas to the phone yeah sure (laughs) exactly we're so shaped by our time yep facts (laughs) okay uh hit the gym or dancing clubs in my free time hit the gym i think because dancing in clubs is very freeing and lovely but I need, it's it's not, because of the ADHD as well, I need something that's even more physical to like get me back into my own brain and get me back into my own body. Dancing doesn't isn't enough. Did you realize that over the pandemic? Yeah. Was that your psychologist who told you? A little bit, yeah. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I also do. started it beforehand, but uh, yeah. yeah. And I noticed it every time that I'm doing worse with my anxiety, I like look at my calendar when I've been to the gym the last time and it was like ages ago. And I was just like, well, why am I not surprised? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Psychology or spirituality? Oh, these are hard. Fucking hell. I think psychology. Because psychology has helped me more in my life than spirituality has. I like spirituality and I really fuck with like some some like like Wicca and the whole like witch witches on TikTok ah, and yeah, all of that I stuff. That, yeah. I really, really fuck with that. Uh, really? I Isn't like, it scary also? It's a little bit dark also. No, but it's like it's it's not scary dark, you know what I mean? It? It's like it's like a goth in school. It's but, not mm-hmm. scary dark. It's like it's like uh, the circle. What's the name of the film? Yeah, <laughs> uh, Coven? Uh, no 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 no. Wait, yeah. Um yeah 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 but actually i saw beverly <coughs> house of uh, housewife of beverly hills and there mm-hmm. was one week in there yeah but she puts like 
mean spell some people. But that's like super against the beliefs of Wicca. Uh -huh. There's no like black magic or like doing some shit to someone that they don't want in Wicca beliefs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. So she's even not something the real like a love spell is kind of actually kind of against the rules of that because it infringes on someone else's space. And yeah. Wicca, basically, what it is in the end, it's just kind of like positive affirmations with with a. With with a little bit of spice, you know what I mean? Really? Yeah, and I, so that I really fuck with. But still, I think psychology has helped me more throughout my life than spiritualism. So I'm going to go with psychology. Yeah. Hugs or kisses? Gosh almighty. Looks like kisses. <laughs> yeah, it does. I think kisses. Because a hug, uh, man, but a hug. But a kiss can't give you the comfort that a hug does. Like, you know, when you're like crying and you're like feeling super shit, you don't want to kiss, you want to hug. Yeah. Then again, kisses can be sexy. Hugs can be sexy too. Hugs can be sexy too. But I yeah. think I'm going to go with hugs because hugs have more, um, have more, they have a bit more of things that you can do with them. You know what I mean? That's hugs true. can also, could also be like cuddling. So you can go kind of sexy with a hug and you can kind of cook a hug as you want it. But with a kiss, it's a kiss. Yeah. It, it doesn't, it, it's so fucking exciting when you have a kiss for the first time. But overall, you can just do more with a hug and you hugs can, can work always. You can translate more feelings with a hug than with a kiss. You know what this I mean? Very very well thought through mm. yes i agree uh pokemon or digimon pokemon yeah 100 percent. yeah digimon is like the fake uh, bag no i like <laughs> digimon as well okay. i really like digimon as well really? actually yeah i really like him it's interesting because it's actually kind of more of a darker version than pokemon okay Digimon is way darker than Pokemon. Way, way, way darker. It's like there are some topics in like Digimon to this day that are so fucking dark that I like can't believe that they marketed this to fucking children like in parts. Still remember one Digimon movie that I watched in cinemas that was so dark that it like kind of traumatized me in parts <laughs> even. But like Pokemon is just like it's the OG, it's the it's the one for me. I think I'm gonna fucking love Pokemon until the day that I die. I'm gonna play all the games if they're fucking shit as hell, which the new ones the new ones are actually really good, the new ones. Like they're <laughs> they have some bad <laughs> the, guys listen to me, okay? They have some bad elements. I know they have a lot of glitches, but the story is really good. It's the best that it's ever been, please. <laughs> So yeah, I I just love Pokemon so dearly. It's such a big part of my childhood, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna love that until the day that I die. <laughs> okay, I perfect. Yeah. We learned so much. Last one: drag show or lights show? Drag show. Yes. Always. Boom! Thank you so so much. <laughs> Thank you. I'm gonna give you a hug. This was amazing. But yeah. This was it for Playful Podcast this week, but please follow, subscribe and listen to our next episode. And if you want to have a say about future artists or even ask your own question to one of our guests, follow us on Instagram and make sure to add your question when we lift our coming guests. Thank you so much for joining and see you next week. 
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.